Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. You'd like to turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 11. So, you can be nervous for just a moment when I say uh, we're going to talk about faithfully uh, being faithful. Being faithful in Nehemiah chapters 11 and 12. When a pastor says two chapters, be nervous for just a minute, but not really, okay? I'm not going to do that to you. We're not going a verse at a time, but we're going to see... Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week in this narrative, okay? Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 11, uh, we're going to talk about being faithful or remaining faithful. So, there was a lady, her name was Maria Dyer. She was born in 1837, that was a couple years ago, on the mission field in China where her parents were pioneer missionaries. Both her parents died when Maria was a little girl, and she was sent back to England to be raised by her uncle. Well, the loss of her parents, however, did not deter her young heart from the importance of sharing the gospel. At age 16, she, along with her sister, returned to China to work in a girls' school as a missionary herself. Five years later, she married a guy that you may have heard of. She married Hudson Taylor, a man well-known today for his life of ministry, faith, and sacrifice in China. Hudson and Maria's work was often criticized, even by other Christians. At one point, Maria even wrote, as to the harsh judgings of the world or or the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with our work and leave God to vindicate our cause. So, of the nine children that they had, only four survived to adulthood. Maria herself died of cholera when she was just 43 years old. But she believed the cause was worthy of the sacrifice. On her grave marker, these words were inscribed, For her to live was Christ, and to die was gain. In a day when many, I dare say even myself at times, are self-absorbed and care more about what we can get rather than what we can give, we need a renewal of this type of sacrificial love. It was God's love for us that sent Jesus into the world to die for our sins. And it is that kind of giving love that our world needs so greatly today. When we love God as we should, our interests fade and we magnify him. When I think of Hudson and Maria Taylor, I think of their faithfulness. You hear of missionaries who left it all on the field, literally. Their lives, their health, their family life, their children, all because they were confident of God's calling on their lives and they remained faithful. Can't even imagine. Occasionally, I love and I read... I read several of these today, um, this week, and I was even tempted 
to share more of them with you because whenever I read the stories of these faithful missionaries and how they give their lives serving God, I, I am inspired, particularly at times when I need to be inspired to remain faithful, amen? So today we're going to see that, right? So number one, um, did you see the picture of the wall up there? I don't know if you saw it or not. But number one, faithfully living in covenant relationship. We're gonna pick up where we left off. Remember this narrative, um, in this narrative, um, 1039, right? The last phrase says, thus we will not neglect the house of our God. We talked last week about our work as worship, and we saw how Nehemiah as a, Nehemiah as a, a great leader had, um, had set things in order. We saw um, the people entered into this covenant relationship. Uh, they renewed their covenant relationship with God. They weren't going to neglect the service of the temple. They weren't going to neglect the worship. They were going to bring in their tithes and offerings to support the work, um, to, to support the work of God. So now here, um, what their desire is, some time passes, and their desire is to faithfully walk or live in this renewed covenant that they have made with the Lord. Remember, we talked about those times in your life and in mine when, when we rededicated our lives to the Lord, right? There was a time you were walking faithfully with God and, and something happened and maybe over a period of time, you just kinda, we just kind of stray away from the Lord, sometimes in, great, sometimes in great rebellion and sin, but sometimes we just get lazy and we stray from the Lord. And then we have that time where the Holy Spirit convicts us or you hear or read something in the Word of God and, and you, you, you uh, and sometimes we downplay the emotional part of this, but I remember emotionally crying, walking down the aisle to rededicate my life to the Lord. So let's see what happens then um, with the Israelites' desire to faithfully live out this renewed covenant or this renewed relationship with God. So in chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, we say faithfully leading like Nehemiah. Faithfully leading like Nehemiah. So the leaders of, of the people, um, Sarah read the scripture. Um, they lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people cast lots. So what happened was they resettled, they were resettling Jerusalem, but Nehemiah is a great leader. He has a plan here. You remember back in Nehemiah chapter 7, when very few people were living in Jerusalem. The a wall was broken down. They were, um, um, the temple had, had been rebuilt, but the wall was broken down. Some time had gone by since the first wave of Israel, uh, Jews had come back. Very few people were living in Jerusalem, and now we see the repopulation of Jerusalem in chapter 11 under Nehemiah's leadership. Many of the people must have understood the spiritual significance of this in light of all that God was doing. So they cast lots. This was just the way they made decisions back in the day, right? And they said, uh, one, is it one out of every 10? One out of every 10 people um, who were living out and about in the villages outside the city were going to, if you drew the short straw, you came in, you were going to, you and your family were going to give up what you were doing in your work to some degree and come and live in the city. 
And it said the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. What they did, they blessed these men and their families, I'm assuming, and I believe I'm correct, uh, because it's not really spelled out for us, that they blessed them financially, that they blessed them so that they, even though they were leaving their, their farms and the land, their inherited land, to come and live in the city. So, so I love living in the city. Um, I came from a place called Chesapeake Beach. We used to call it Mayberry. We had a little house and our street, our street dead-ended into the Chesapeake Bay. I go look out my front window and see the water. Uh, it was the older, older side of the neighborhood, but, but I lived in Mayberry. I lived in the suburbs, right? And there was a time in my life, if you had told me we had to draw straws and I drew the short straw and I had to go live in Baltimore or D.C., I may not have been the happiest camper in the world. But remember, these guys, they had just committed themselves in this relationship with God. Nehemiah, in his great leadership, now remember, if you go all the way back to Nehemiah chapter 1, when Nehemiah heard about the state of affairs in Jerusalem, the wall was broken down, uh, people were fussing and fighting, nobody was, it was just, it was bad in Jerusalem. Nehemiah wept, and he cried, and he fasted, and he did this, what did we say, 40 days or four months, three or four, I've lost track. Nehemiah fasted, prayed, and mourned, and begged God, um, begged to hear from the Lord, and that's when God gave him the vision. But listen, God blessed him with these leadership skills. I, I guess Nehemiah was not a guy to be trifled with. He was not a plaything. He was a boss. He was a leader. But he was also God's man, living and walking in the spirit. Why? Remember, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Nehemiah got his marching orders and his directions directly. He got them from the Lord. But he got them through. I mean, it wasn't like God just dropped a book down with them written down either. Nehemiah continually went to God in prayer. And he fasted and he mourned and he prayed. And so here we are. Nehemiah is leading the people. He says, we need to repopulate the city. And so that's what's going on in verses 1 through 3. And you even see there is, um, there's even, there's a couple genealogies here. And, and you'll be glad that we're not going to talk all about the genealogies. But they continue this record of the families who, who were living, who came to live in Jerusalem. Uh, and they did this throughout their, throughout their history, and, and it is meaningful. Um, so we see, and I'll just be um, transparent for a moment. I, am, I have been, throughout this series in Nehemiah, I have been, um, I have been personally convicted, personally, like God has just revealed things, through his word, I mean, it's God's revealed word, right? So, so, so I'm hearing from the Lord in my times in Nehemiah um, um, about the faithfulness of Nehemiah in leadership. This guy had hard times, man. They hit opposition in chapter four. The same people didn't give up in chapter six. They wanted to kill him. They were going to get an army together. Nehemiah was shrewd. He was wise. And, and I'll just be honest with you, I, I, I read Nehemiah, I pray, and I, and I find myself lacking as a leader. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, 
there's no need. Uh, I, I'm not missing any encouragement. I don't need any pats on the back. I'm just saying, when we hear the Word of God, particularly in a book like Ezra and Nehemiah, and we're going through these series, I, I think God starts to speak through the consistency of the narrative here into our, into our day-to-day lives. And I want to be like Nehemiah. I want to be, I want to hear from the Lord. I want my confidence, I want my confidence in what I do every day or my confidence in leadership or my confidence in moving forward on Green Mount Avenue. I, I want it to be with Nehemiah type confidence, but I want it to be because I'm walking closely with the Lord. I want it to be because uh, God has given me that wisdom to move forward and to lead. And I'll just be real honest with you. Most of you have been here long enough throughout the process of attempting to have a place of our own to worship. Uh, We're rebuilding our own temple and we're rebuilding our own wall here on Green Mount Avenue. This was a vacant building. Um, It was deserted. There were things in the building the first couple times we came in here that I won't describe to you. And and some of you, you, I have shared them with you. Uh, Some of you may have even been here and and experienced some of that early on. That, you know, it wasn't all pleasant. It wasn't all pleasant. And now three and a half, almost four, four years later, four years later, we've owned a building for four years. We're not done. And there have been discouraging days. And some of you, you're very faithful, so, so you don't share your discouragement uh, with me. So I imagine you pray about it and, and you move forward. You're being faithful. You guys are you're, you're being, you're being faithful. Um, and you know, um, I'll be uh, more transparent than I intended to be today and say, you know what? Um, I too have been discouraged and I too have been frustrated. Um, um, and then I hear a story like Maria and Hudson Taylor in China. Um, um, and I'm really moved in my spirit, uh, maybe even a little ashamed in a good way, right? Of what I have experienced versus a sudden, we're not supposed to quantify and compare suffering. I get, I understand that, but yet there have been days I wake up and I say, you know, What's going on with this building? Um, is God ever going to let us move in here? What are we doing? What am I doing wrong? Sometimes nothing. Sometimes just. Sometimes I'm just hard-headed. But sometimes nothing. We're not doing anything wrong. Sometimes it's opposition. It's challenges. It's trials. Sometimes we get it. God's God is trying us. He's growing us. Right. Sometimes God is saying he's convicting us and he wants us to learn what's going on. And I'm thinking about me, not you. And, and yet, uh, I'll, I'll not lie to you, uh, there have been days recently I've been tired. And not tired because I've worked so hard, but tired because it's been a journey. And, and we're not there yet. And, and so what do I need to do? What do we need to do? We need to learn our lessons in Nehemiah. We need to fast. I know Baptist fasting, right? We need to fast. We need to pray. And we need to love our community enough to say, I need to love my community enough to say, I'm, I'm, I'm staying here no matter what happens. You know? I read about these missionaries who, who five of their nine children didn't survive. Had they been living in modern, uh, their modern time, London, England, where they came from, their kids probably would have all survived. But they were serving God. They were being faithful. They were living out their lives in faithfulness to God. They considered themselves servants, but, but they were also leaders. 
because they were blazing a trail that you and I would talk about them 100 and, 150 years later, that you and I would see their faithfulness and be inspired. So, faithfully leading like Nehemiah, do I want to aspire to be a better servant leader? You remember, um, I think I'm supposed to say it later, I'm going to say it now. Do you remember the first night that Nehemiah was in Jerusalem? When he first arrived, it was late at night. Um, actually, they had been there three days. He, he got up really late one night. He didn't tell his people what he was doing. He grabbed a horse and a couple of guys, and they went out along the wall late at night in the middle of the night because he wanted to hear from God. He knew there was a great task ahead for them. It was even dangerous to be out there at night and for him as a leader to be out there by, basically by himself. There were a couple dudes with him, you remember. But he rode up on the wall to a point where he couldn't even ride up on it anymore uh, because of the way it was broken down. And he, he wanted to hear from the Lord. And his heart was heavy and at the same time he knew why he was there. He went up on the wall late at night. Um, you know, sometimes I have the opportunity to be here late at night or to come through real early in the morning before anybody's around. And um, there have been times of great joy, right? We have a roof over our head. I should be grateful. Uh, some of us worked in here when uh, there was uh, sunlight here and, and no roof and no walls. And yeah, nothing, nothing. God is faithful, right? But he's also calling us to remain faithful. And so leading, faithfully leading like Nehemiah. Two, uh, or three, I should say, faithfully working hard. Say, Charlie, where do you see? Faithfully working hard. Chapter 11, verses 20 and 21. The rest of Israel, so they're repopulating the city. The people are being faithful. If they draw the short straw, they're, they're bringing their family, coming to the city. 11, 20, and 21 says, The rest of Israel, of the priests and of the Levites, were all in the cities of Judah, each on his own inheritance. They were in their land where they were going to work, the land that belonged to their daddy, that belonged to their daddy, that belonged to their daddy. But the temple servants were living in Ophel and Zihah and Gishpah, were in charge of the temple servants. So we're starting to see some division of labor here. Everybody knew what their job was. Here's what was going on. If I work my land and I'm raising my crops and I am selling them, I'm bringing, remember, they, they wanted to be faithful to the house of God. They were bringing their first and their best to the temple. They were tithing and giving back to the work of the Lord because in, not just because God told them to, but because they were in this relationship with God now where they cared. They cared about the relationship with God and they knew they would be blessed. They knew their lives would be more fulfilled. So now their work, their work became worship. So when you go to the workplace, for some of you, it's pulling up a computer at the kitchen table, right? Uh, uh, I do that a couple days a week. But wherever it is, your work can be your worship. Why? You work to glorify God. You work to be a testimony to your, uh, in the workplace to which you go. And then you want, to bring, uh, you want to bring your first and your best to the Lord and your tithes and offerings. So now your work, even where you work, is worship. This is part of being faithful in our covenant relationship, uh, even with Jesus. And we say, remember, in the book of Hebrews says, we have a new and a better covenant with God because of Jesus Christ. That he is our great high priest. He is the and was and is the final sacrifice who shed his blood on the cross so the sacrifices don't have to be made anymore. 
So Jesus Christ is our high priest, and you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are in covenant relationship with God. So we want to be faithfully working hard. Called it last week, I called it work as worship. And we see that here in Nehemiah chapter 11, and I think it just bears our attention again. Number four, now we're going to get to, so, so somehow, I don't know, so I want to make, I want to make a music video, I know, right? Dude, you're 57, you're white, you live, no, it's just, no, I want to make a music video, and I want it to be on um, MTV. Um, you guys do know that when MTV started, it was straight music, 24. Uh, how many of y'all, no, don't raise your hand if you're old enough that you remember that, but TVs were in big boxes on the floor still? Yes. Yeah, and you sit in front of the TV and put on MTV. Your cable box was about this big, and you put on MTV. Most of us were doing things we don't talk about in church, and you put on MTV, and you didn't watch nothing else on your TV. It was MTV 24 hours. I better stop. I'm being recorded. So I want to make this video because I want, I want, to, I want us to see this faithfully celebrating all that God is doing in 12, 27 through 39. Here we are. It's the dedication of the wall. So 52 days to build the wall, all the opposition, their lives were threatened. The wall is built and it's time to celebrate. Now, Nehemiah being a practical guy, he wanted to get some things in order before the celebration. The smart guys argue about how much time they spent getting everything in order and then having the celebration here in chapter 12. But we'll let this, we won't go down that rabbit hole today. So now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites from all their places, brought them to Jerusalem, because remember, not all of them lived in the city, that they might celebrate the dedication with, and, and listen to this, with gladness, with hymns of thanksgiving, with songs, and with a live band, right? Cymbals, harps, and lyres. So the sons of the singers were assembled from the district around Jerusalem, so everyone had their role in the church, in the temple. Some were singers that lived um, in the city. They had uh, gatekeepers. They had singers. They had the priests, the Levites, the temple servants. Um, and so they came, everybody came, the priests and the Levites, and listen to what they did. Uh, Sarah read this. They purified themselves. Um, they also purified the people to gates and a wall. One of the things faithfully celebrating all that God was doing, one of the things they wanted to make sure of is that they were confessing their sins. You think about them purifying the wall and the gates. Man, I got, um, I got emotional. I even wrote a couple things down that I thought if I didn't write them down, I wouldn't remember them. And there is a beautiful worship service that takes place. Nehemiah is going, well, one, the symbolic washing. This, if the water in the Old Testament symbolizes cleansing and forgiveness in similar fashion that it does for us in the New Testament and even in baptism, they purified the wall and the gates. The gates are where everyone came into the city and went out of the city. They wanted... They, they wanted the, everything that took place in the city to be blessed. They wanted the people that came into the city to know who their God was. 
They, they purified the wall. Why? Because they knew it was God's wall, and it was only because of God that they were able to build this wall. And they purified themselves, every man, woman, and child who had understanding that the priests, they did this ceremony of purification because they wanted to be right in the presence of their God for this great celebration. It mattered. So while they were, they, they were desiring to be faithful in their, this covenant relationship, um, they purified themselves spiritually and symbolically. So there's this beautiful worship service that's going to take place. Nehemiah leads one choir. They go up. He gets one choir. Ezra gets another choir. The band is playing. There are hymns of thanksgiving. I picture that the people have stopped singing at this point because Nehemiah leads one choir up to the right on top of the wall clockwise. Ezra leads another choir to the left or counterclockwise. They come all the way around the wall singing and celebrating, singing these hymns of thanksgiving while the band is playing and the people are singing and crying and shouting. I'm making that up. That's not in there. But they were, they were in church. But the one choir is up here going this way. Another choir is up here going this way. You know they had to be dressed to the nines, right? And they were singing out loud. Then as they all met at the water gate, not the hotel in D.C., they met at the water gate. They I just dated myself again. They, they came down the steps like this at the water gate and back down into the temple area while they were singing and celebrating um they dedicated the wall with gladness we said with the live band with thanksgiving with the sound of the trumpets the trumpets were always significant in worship they also they made sacrifices they rejoiced with great joy uh, and, I, and we already talked about the fact that they have purified themselves. So here they are faithfully celebrating all that God is doing. Listen, it was a miracle that while they're in captivity to Persia, they're in captivity still, that the kings have allowed them to come back and rebuild their city, rebuild the temple. And what king in their right mind would let a conquered people rebuild the wall around their city? Only God moved on the heart of these pagan kings to allow first Zerubbabel, right? And Ezra to come back and those guys rebuilt the temple and then Nehemiah comes back under another king and they're rebuilding the wall. Only God does this. So they know this. Now the people are in right relationship with God, celebrating and worshiping God for all that he is doing for them as a nation. I like to say as a church. Now, you know, the children of Israel, they were a theocracy. Their government, their religion, and everything was just under God's leadership, right? You know, the United States of America is not a theocracy. Children of Israel, they were a theocracy. Okay, just the theos, Godocracy, government. So they were governed that way as well. But the other purpose, uh, the other purpose for such a great celebration uh, was and is to tell it to the next generation. To tell it to the next generation. Listen, 
even um yeah it's in there i'll get to the i'll find the right verse in a minute that the next generation will know and remember that God is our God forever, that he alone is God, and that he will guide us throughout our lives. I'm going to turn to Psalm 48, and I'm going to read a few verses out of Psalm 48. Listen, we do have a great responsibility. My life as a pastor for 20 years was consumed with making sure that our next generation, that our, the next generation knows Jesus Christ. And every kid that I got to share the gospel with in our youth ministries in my previous churches, uh, that was my purpose in life as a student pastor for children and teenagers to come to know Jesus. But listen to Psalm 48, 11 through 14. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go around her. Count her towers, consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may tell it to the next generation. For such is a God, excuse me, for such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. Walking and living in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ is you and me believing that our God, amen, say our God. Just make sure a couple of y'all still awake. There's a couple, I might be losing a couple of you. I can see y'all up here. So he is that he will guide us until death. He will guide us. So it's that trust. I'm going to do what Jesus says. I'm going to do what God says because I trust him. He will guide us until death. So you get this picture of this great celebration. And lastly, we're seeing the people faithfully worshiping God with joy. I don't know. Um, I don't know about you. I need a little more joy in my life these days. And... Um, um, I need a little more joy in my life. And I hesitated because there was a couple of verses in Proverbs, you know, about, um, about this joy. Um, but we do. I have struggled to have joy in my day-to-day -day life. The part of me, I know, transparent twice in one sermon. I won't do it anymore. <laughs> The part of me that is a people person, I love to be around my people, I love to have fun. At, 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 at the majority of my adult life, I've been a, a, a pretty joyful person. And sometimes now that escapes me and I don't always know why. And here in the Word of God, again, we are reminded, I am reminded that I have much to be joyful about. I have much to rejoice about in my life for all the difficult things you have yours i have mine right for all the difficult things the disappointments the hurts the habits the hang-ups the disappointments in life the losses right the trauma whatever these things are we have those if i asked you and you wanted to tell me you know you wouldn't hesitate you know what they are in your life and they're joy stealers sometimes but when I read the word of God and I see this in Nehemiah, I know that I have so much more to be joyful about than I have to be sad about. 
Does that cure me of my sadness? Not always. But today am I instructed? Yes. Today am I encouraged? Yes. Today am I convicted that God desires for me to be joyful because he loves me so much and you as well? Yes. So he says here, and on that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. Why? Here's the key. Because God had given them great joy. It's the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. God had given them great joy. I can't manufacture it. I can't look for it in relationships. I can't expect you to provide it for me. I can't expect even my spouse, my children, or my grandchildren to provide. Now, does all those things great blessings? Yes, they are. Do they bring me joy? Yes. But listen, they were rejoicing because God had given them great joy. Even the women and children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. The times of celebration are coming, and if you're having a time of great joy right now, lean into it because it is God who is giving you joy in your day-to-day -day life. And if you are not, you are not less than, you are not being punished. You know what? Depression is real, okay? Um, depression is real. Um, addiction is a joy stealer and a thief. Um, other things that you go through, losses in life, they're real. They are. But guess what? So is the joy of the Lord. It is real. Some people say it's a choice. I don't know that it's a choice because God gives it to us. And some days we just struggle. So I'm not, I will never be the pastor who says, get up off of your sadness and, 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 and rejoice in the Lord. But the Bible, God will call you to do that, your pastor. I'm simply, we're, I'm sharing with you what the Word of God says, that God will restore your joy. Amen. Yes, yes, amen. So what we see here is a time of great celebration in chapter 12 and, and all the way back to my music video, right? Can you picture it? Can you picture it? Can you picture the choirs dressed to the nines in, their, um, in, 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 in the celebration robes that they were supposed to be wearing? And one choir coming up one way and one choir coming up the other way and then coming down into the temple area worshiping God for what God had done. Was it Nehemiah 4 or Nehemiah 6? Where I think it was 6 when Sambalat and Tobiah and the guys were mocking Nehemiah. They were mocking the people. And don't think Nehemiah didn't think about this and giggle inside. I know he did because I like him too much for it to think he didn't kick they told him, they said, look at this burned down rubble of a wall. There's no way they can rebuild this garbage. And then they said, you know what? If a fox were to run up on it, it would fall down. Don't think for a minute Nehemiah didn't remember. I mean, I hope he did, because I sure did. That when the choirs were walking up on the wall, one clockwise and one counterclockwise, singing praises to God, walking up on that wall. Amen? Amen? I know Nehemiah remembered that. I don't want to get to heaven and be disappointed. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to say, Nehemiah, bro, when you were walking up on that wall, you were thinking about, you were thinking about them dudes, weren't you? Uh, yes. Why? Because God is faithful. Because God is faithful. Yes. Nehemiah was probably a little more of a humble servant than I would be. But God is faithful. There are times of celebration and great joy. 
And I know our theme throughout the book of Nehemiah has been one of the themes has been perseverance. The other theme has been prayer. And I think another one is just this faithfulness, this faithfulness to stick it out. Is faithfulness just another word for perseverance? Maybe. But faithfulness leads, faithfulness will cause me to obey. Faithfulness will cause me to not quit. So what we see here is the children of Israel being faithful for five minutes, being faithful in their renewed covenant relationship with God. I hope that it encourages you, certainly it has me, that we can come back to God, simply confess our sins, renew, surrender our lives to the Lord again, and walk closely with God this week. Amen.